Hello, welcome to the Really Centralized interview. And today we've got Bjarni Einarsson from Mailpile. And he's uh, an open source developer based in Iceland. He's also done PageKite. And um, say hello, how are you? Hi, nice to meet you. Um, thanks for talking to us. So uh, tell us about Mailpile. What is it? Well, Mailpile, it, well, the basics, it's just an email client, although I hesitate to use the word just because it is a very ambitious project. Um, what we're trying to do, uh, the motivation behind it is we're really concerned by how email is becoming increasingly centralized. Uh, to a very large degree, people are relying on hosted services like Gmail. Gmail is probably the best example, and they actually have the largest market share as well. And we believe that that's just a problem. There's a lot of problems that come from that sort of centralization. Um, some of them have to do with the ideals of software freedom and being independent online. And then as we've seen in, in the past few months, there are actual security implications for people that are concerned about that sort of thing where um, Edward Snowden revealed a lot of information about how the US government is pulling people's data out of Gmail and, and other centralized cloud services. So people who care about that sort of thing, they're going to want an alternative. And Mailpile is hoping to be exactly that. It's, it's ironic, really, isn't it, that email is, is almost one of the great decentralized successes from the early internet before the web. And yet now it's you, know, you look around and see uh, all the open source hackers using Gmail at conferences and things. Yeah, it's, it's very, it was very sneaky in some ways. Um, and I'm not, going to say, I'm not going to say it was malicious. Um, Gmail is a fantastic product. It works really well. And the fact that it's free, free of charge, not free as in freedom, means that people haven't really been motivated to replace it. Um, also, for a very long time, and to a large extent still, uh, Google have been the good guys. They've been part of, they've been very active in the open communities and very supportive of the open internet. So people didn't feel uncomfortable relying on them. And I think that, I think that that's changing a bit. People want their independence back and they want to move off. So from a user's point of view at the moment, what does MailPile do and like what kind of people are using it? Well, MailPile is not ready. We're in a pre-alpha state at the moment. Um, the code that we have is a, a relatively powerful, fast search engine for email. So you can give it a large volume of mail, and it will read it for you and index it, and then help you find things. Very similar to how you can do uh, in Gmail. You can perform searches and get responses back very quickly. Um, on top of that, we're building a user interface. And the user interface is web-based. So you access it using your browser. Even if you may be running the software on your laptop or, or desktop computer, you'll use your browser to interact with it. And this means that you also have the option of hosting it somewhere else. You can put it on a Raspberry Pi or, or on a VPS or you know, various places. Wherever a, a, a web app can, can run, you could run MailPile. And so we're developing that now. So it could run on one of the boxes, that, like Freedom Box or something that goes inside you. Yeah. Like Absolutely. One of, one of the bigger backers, so we raised money for this project on Indiegogo. We had over 3,000 people supporting the project and raised $163,000 on Indiegogo itself and a bit extra via direct Bitcoin donations. Um, 
one of our bigger backers was Evan Moglin of the Freedom Box Foundation because they would really like to use MailPile and include it in the package that they're putting together. So I know that one of the other things you've looked at is encryption. And I remember in the 1990s when PGP, pretty good privacy, was like all the buzz, and it never really mm -hmm. took off, with a, like a kind of end-to-end -end based encryption for email. So what's like, your take on encryption and what's happening there? I think it's a real shame that we've had this technology for so long and, and it's not being used and it's not accessible to people that need it. Um, so we would like to fix that and we believe that this is largely a user interface problem. Uh, software could do a much better job making it easy to use encryption, easy to understand what it's doing. Um, and if you think about it, uh, most of the PGP tools that are out there today are in plug-in, like a plug-in for Thunderbird, Enigmail. Um, it's good software, but it's software that's written for people who know what PGP is. And someone who wants privacy online, they don't necessarily know what buzzwords to look for. They just know they want their secure communication to be secure. So we want to approach it from that point of view. We want to say, how can we make people's communication as secure and private as possible without bothering them with the technical details of how it actually works? So you won't have so, to manage your keys by hand then, for example? Well, the stuff that you will be able to manage your keys by hand, but we feel the software should do the sensible thing by default. It should know what is a reasonable key length to generate a new key, and it should just do that. It shouldn't ask you about it. And key management should be integrated into your contact list. When you're looking at your contacts, you should just see which of these people you can communicate with securely and which people you can't. And it should talk to the key servers behind the scenes without you having to go and do so manually. There's a lot of stuff that can be automated and simplified. Um, this, is, this is not a trivial task because there are security implications to all of these things and privacy implications. But we feel that no one has really taken this approach of trying to um, automate and simplify as much as possible and, and make that the first priority as opposed to strict 100% security being the first priority. So we're starting at a different different point. I'm really interested in the kind of business model for this. So you've got big companies, you've got you know, Hotmail and Gmail and Yahoo, massive email providers and, and lots of other smaller ones. How, how, what's your plan for getting the resource, like a business model, to, to really be able to scale decentralized email? Well, one thing that we're not doing is we're not going to host everyone's email for them. So we don't need to go and invest in large data centers and, and storage capacity and system administration teams. We're just writing software that people can use. So that reduces our overhead quite a lot. Um, at the moment, there's three of us on the team. Um, two of us are having our salaries paid from the money that we raised on Indiegogo. And the third is having his salary paid by a company that wants to see this happen. So there's a sponsorship going on there. And this, we have enough to do this for a full year. We have enough to build the software and bring it to a 1.0 release state. And by that time, we hope to develop further business models. And one of the things that we're looking at is just asking the community to support us directly. So we have, at the moment, we have 3,000 people that have been willing to put money into the project. We hope that some of them will be willing to do so again to get ongoing updates and developments. 
And once the software exists and people can use it, we're actually just hoping more people will sign up and say, yes, we want to support this and make this continue happening. So they'll like so voluntarily pay, the they'll voluntarily pay a small subscription. To That's, we're going to try. We're going to see if people will go for that. I don't yeah. think it's been done before, so it's an experiment, but it's, a, it's one we feel really good about. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the uh, the approach of um, yeah not having not having venture capitalists to pay back, not having servers, and getting money from the actual mm -hmm. users. Yeah, and the thing is that software it's something that people sometimes forget. But software scales really well. If I write a piece of software, I can distribute a million copies for almost no charge. And if you run the software on your own computer, and you have a very powerful computer in front of you. We don't need to provide infrastructure for that. So this entire push towards centralization and moving everything into the cloud, it's wasting a lot of resources that we have. It makes some things easier because you can have specialized teams running things and, and handling the upgrades and the administration. But it does mean that someone else has to run a computer and, and your computer is sitting there doing nothing much. So there's, there's waste there. Yeah. So in, in the making of MailPal, what do you think the most technically interesting thing is? Like, tell us about uh, part of the technology that you find interesting. Well, email is a big, thorny problem. Um, I really enjoyed working on the search engine itself. Uh, Brennan, who is our, our user interface and experience designer, he's having a lot of fun just sort of figuring out how to make the UI make sense to people. and. We've had a lot of talks about how to do the encryption interfaces and things, and there's a lot of interesting problems there to solve. Um, I'm looking forward to getting back into developing spam protection as well. I, I worked for six years at a company doing anti-spam, and I moved away from that for a while, and we're going to need that in MailPile, so I'm going to get my fingers dirty there again, see what's happened in the open source world, what tools we can use, and how we integrate them. Oh, I'd like to ask you about that, because one of the most interesting criticisms that I hear from actually the smartest people who criticize this decentralization idea often say, oh, it won't work because there'll be spam. So do you think it's possible to, because uh, at the moment, it's like, say, Facebook, I don't get any spam on Facebook because they're really good at ensuring that those spam users go away and they've got lots of data scientists analyzing it and they have a, a central identity system. Um, but is, is it possible with a decentralized communication service to, to sort of fully get rid of spam and, but still make sure everyone does get the messages that they're meant to get, they want to get? Well, of course not. That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, if you think about it, it's really interesting. Um, the technical community is very passionate about freedom of speech and network neutrality. Uh, but for some reason, people forget all about that when it comes to spam. People are very happy to have centralized censorship tools <laughs> filter out their email and throw stuff away based on arbitrary criteria. And I just think that's really strange and really unfortunate. Uh, if you have spam filters locally, if you're running spam filters on your own machine and you're controlling them and you're training them, and instead of the messages getting rejected, they're just put in a spam folder where you can find them again, that brings puts you back in control. And Bayesian filters, they work very well. There's no reason that we can't get very good spam protection in a decentralized fashion by looking at the contents of the messages, understanding the social graph of who you communicate with and who you don't communicate with, and taking advantage of that. I think 
people just people have gotten lazy. Email hasn't been cool. It hasn't been interesting to the technical community for many years, and people sort of forgot about mm. it. But I'm pretty sure we can do better than we did 10 years ago, which mm. is last time there was active development on on email in the free software world. Yeah, so certainly I find Gmail is pretty good at spam filtering these days, so I don't get much spam anymore. Really hard, like a, you know, a bit well, every other day. There's a lot of false positives, actually. I have mm -hmm. to check my spam folder, otherwise I miss important messages. Mm. And yeah. if you're getting a lot of spam, maybe you don't notice. Where was it that you worked when you did spam filtering before? Was that what kind of... An Icelandic company, uh, an antivirus firm. They they recently got bought, but they were called Frisk Software International. They made the FProt antivirus engine, which dates back to the 80s. So they they forayed into um, antivirus services online. So cloud fil cloud based filtering, and they needed an anti spam com component for that as well. And so I worked on that. Okay. Now let's let go a little bit into the future. What, what, where do you see MailPal going? What kind of interesting things will happen to it? And what would a mass, what would the effect be if there was mass take up? That's a big question. Um, to start, just where we are now, um, we're going to do we're going to do more development. We hope to have an alpha release that sort of techies and really enthusiastic people can try in January. Um, Next summer, we hope to have a 1.0 release, which you can actually install. Hopefully, we'll have it well packaged, so even a non-technical user could install it, just as they would install Firefox or Thunderbird or, or Chrome or something like that. Um, and then we'll see, depending on the uptake. Because if we succeed in getting a large amount of people to move their email back out of the cloud and onto a local device or a device that's under their control, then we can start seeing people do encryption more. Because the encrypting email is sort of fundamentally incompatible with storing your email with a third third party provider in the cloud. Because then, you know, if you wanted to do if Gmail wanted to offer PGP encryption, they would have to have a copy of your keys. And that kind of defeats the purpose. So we're we won't see any progress <laughs> at all on email encryption until we decentralize email back and start running the software ourselves. So if MailPile is successful, we might see a larger uptake in, in encryption, and we might see an, an actual improvement in privacy for people's email communications. And I'm very excited about that. Mm. Um, another, another thing that I hope will happen, and now this is just sort of my personal motivation here, is I would like to see the open source community focus on email more. And I'm hoping that by setting an example and giving people a platform that's fun to hack on and fun to play with um, will spur more people to enter into the space and then get more activity. Um, that's one of the reasons why we're doing MailPile. It's written in Python, which is a very accessible programming language. We're trying to make sure that the front end, the JavaScript, and the HTML is done using um, modern, modern methods that developers like to work with. Uh, we're going to focus on documentation and you know do all this stuff that lets other people take part in the project. So, so hopefully it'll become be much bigger than us. Like writing plugins for it will be quite easy, will it? Yes, that's the sort of thing that we want to make really easy to do. Both plugins and because it's uh, a web server, it can have an API. You can have an API where 
other servers or other software can interact with MailPile in a programmatic way. Yeah. Yeah, it frustrates so me. Who knows what people will come up with? I can get lots of amazing plugins for my browser or apps for my phone, but Gmail, I can just get the few ones in Google Ads and that's it. That's the, the choice. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. even Thunderbird um, doesn't have plugins. So um, we, we'd like to see that sort of thing happen for email. So I, I, I talked to one of your co-founders, Smari, and he uh, mentioned this really interesting idea that email is already a really good identity system, and it's like open, and it was made, mm -hmm. made on the internet in the past. And he was talking about how you could see MailPile like bootstrapping other, other systems. So for example, video calls. So you could have a system that use the email identity on the MailPile clients to send a mail with a special attachment that meant ring the phone. And then, uh, any, yeah, is, is that something you've uh, you've talked about within thinking of, or? A little is, bit. Um, we have I haven't spoken with him about specifically that use case, but that is the sort of thing that we envision people doing if they start treating email as an interesting, interesting platform mm. for development. And I mean, one of the things that people like you and me are concerned about, people that are concerned about centralization, is the dominance of Facebook. And if you think about it, the only social network that's bigger than Facebook today is the world of email. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's, it's the only one we have left. So if we want to be able to compete with Facebook mm. and leverage network effects, mm. email might be an interesting platform for doing that. Mm. And I think it is the biggest because it's uh, decentralized, because it just isn't controlled by one company. So the other companies can all back it as well. Um, well and because it's pretty old. <laughs> yeah, it was there early. OK. So just to end, um, how can people who are watching help? So uh, is there a, like a GitHub repository and a particularly interesting technical documents that they should read to hackers? Probably the place to start is to visit mailpile.is. That's our, our homepage. It doesn't have much on it. There's a, an introduction to the project and the team. There's a blog that we update you know, every few weeks. And from there, there are links to our GitHub repository. There's a link to our Twitter account if people want to follow us and, and talk to us on a daily basis. Uh, there, we also have an IRC channel. And you know, again, that's, that's mentioned on our website. So that's how to find us. Somewhat ironically, we don't have a mailing list yet. <laughs> we've been using GitHub issues to communicate about technical things and uh, the IRC channel for more informal conversations and chat. And I know it's not ready yet for use by end users, but is there a way that end users can contribute financially already to help? We're not accepting donations at the moment, but we do plan to open up for that again soon. Um, it's we're a small team, so we can't do everything at once. But we will be accepting donations again. And over time, once we've got more community infrastructure in place, we're going to have, as I was mentioning before, we're going to have this community where people can subscribe and become part of sort of the larger MailPile community. And they can actually have a vote on which direction we take the project. And we will be asking people to contribute money in order to take part in that way. Oh, fantastic. OK, um, I'm going to let you get back to coding, because I want to be able to use it in the new year. So, um, yeah. Is there anything less you want to say? Or? Um, no, just thanks for the opportunity to talk about this. And, and I encourage everyone who's watching to check out our website and check out our code, either now or, or in January or, or next summer.
Thank you. It's been fantastic talking to you. All right. Thank Take you. Take care.